This past week, I moved. I would not recommend it. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, I'm an expert on moving, for those of you that know, because I've done it a few times. Don't do it. It's chaotic and crazy. Now, if you're a pastor, the best week of the year to move is Holy Week. I know there's 51 other weeks during the year, but that one in particular, while you've got four extra services, is the perfect week to go ahead and move also. (laughs) Chaos. I mean, moving takes the chaos of our lives, and it deposits it in our living room, and bedroom, and dining room, and kitchen, and garage, and outside of the house, and it's just everywhere. Boxes. Well... It's not just the family that is affected by this. My two-year-old lab has been greatly affected by this. Hey, she's neurotic anyway. She is scared of everything. She barks at all things. Noises, birds, things that aren't there. She's neurotic. So you can only imagine bringing her into a new home that is filled with boxes, and there's people coming and going as they're remodeling stuff, and they're bringing stuff in, and, and she has just spent the last week, freaking out about everything. And two days ago, the gate was left open in the backyard. And she saw the hole, and she bolted. Freedom for the dog. And she just took off running. I mean, she ran by houses, she ran between houses, she ran around houses, she ran over houses, she was just running. I mean, running, running, running. And, and, and I know in her little doggy brain, she was trying to find peace. Our house was not that place. In this neighborhood, she recognized nothing. And so it's just running, 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 trying to find peace. On Easter morning, the disciples and their story is not that much different. You read the four Gospels, there's a lot of running. They run to the tomb, they run back. There's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of confusion. There's weeping. It's a mess, just like my dog. And you know what? I am pretty sure they were looking for the same thing, peace. They're in the midst of this very traumatic moment, and they want peace. They want to know how to make sense of this whole thing that they thought was their future. They thought he was the one, and now he has died. And so they're trying to make sense of all of this and looking for peace. And I think, not just peace, but I also think purpose. Now, my dog wasn't looking for purpose. Um, Her brain's not big enough to think like that. There's no purpose net necessary. But they, I think, were looking for purpose. You see, they had followed Jesus for a reason. They thought he would make their lives significant. He thought, they thought, that in him was the answer. In fact, at one point, Jesus has all of these disciples that are abandoning him They're leaving him. And he turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? 
And Peter steps up and he goes, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is purpose, peace, meaning. They were following this guy because he had the words of eternal life. And yet, they get up on Sunday morning and things don't look any different than they did on Saturday night. The one who promised eternal life is dead. How can one give eternal life if he doesn't have eternal life? They are confused, they are hurting, and they are desperately wanting some peace in their lives, some purpose for all of this. And now they're just turning me off for a moment, see if they can fix it. Apparently that was not a good introduction. Do I, uh, there we go, all right. Yeah, still there, but that's all right. My question for you this morning, what are you looking for? Are we that much different? How many of us would like some peace and some purpose? How many of us would like to know our lives matter? They mean something. I don't think we're that much different from what they were experiencing on that morning. So what does the gospel what does the resurrection of Christ, how does that speak to peace and purpose in our lives when so often there is confusion, there is hurt, there's a lack of answers, there's things we can't control, all of that. How does the resurrection speak to those things? Open up your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want to tell you right now, up front, that their problem, the disciples and the women who all are at the tomb at one point, their problem is not Jesus, which should kind of make you perk up a little bit because if he wasn't dead, they wouldn't be having a problem, right? The problem is not that Jesus died. The problem is not the tomb is empty and they don't know what happened to the body. The problem is not that God in some way was unfaithful. I don't mean this to be harsh, but the problem is them. They are missing what God is doing. Look into John chapter 20. There's an interesting detail that John gives. If you will look at verse 6, John is gone. Peter is gone and he has stooped down and he's looked into the tomb. And in verse 6, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which is kind of like a handkerchief, um, and the and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. All right, here's what they think happened. His body was stolen. What grave robber is going to strip the body, lay the clothes out right where he was laying before, take the, the handkerchief, and it, it says folded, it's probably rolled 
with a little circlet around it. They're going to roll that back up, put it in the circlet, and set it down there. There are divine clothing details in here that would tell you if you were paying attention to something else is going on here. This isn't what grave robbers do. But it's not just that. Keep reading. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. We don't quite know what that means exactly, and he's the only one at this point that believes. Everybody else is just confused and hurting and wondering why grave robbers came and stole the body and how they can get it back. But then verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. The issue is not a dead Messiah. It's not an empty tomb where the body is missing. It's not an unfaithful God. The problem is the people there who are looking in and they are missing the divine details and they do not know the word of God. The problem is them. And I want to suggest to you, again, I'm not trying to be mean or harsh. I lump myself into the same category. That for you and I, our lack of peace, our lack of purpose, it's not on God. It's on us, where we are missing what God is doing, where we are acting in the grief and the confusion and the pain and the hurt, which, by the way, we're going to have moments of that, but as we're doing those things, we're missing what God is doing, and we're not turning to the Word of God, and so it ends up falling here. It looks a little like this. My family and I were heading out. Um, people were hungry, and so I grabbed some meat and some cheese and some crackers, and I put them on a plate. Everybody had already piled into the van, and I'm bringing them out. Now, let me back up. Um, my dog is neurotic. My cat is vindictive. When my cat doesn't get what my cat wants, he lets you know by peeing on things. Do you know how bad cat urine smells? So I've got this plate of food, and they're all in the van, and I'm racing out, and I walk by the office, and I go, oh, the cat has peed in my office. And so I set the food down. I walk into the office. I don't know what I'm going to do about it right now, but I thought if it's on like a chair or something, I walk in there smelling around. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's just left over from the last time he did it. I guess that's fine. So I grab the food, and I take off, and I get into the van, and I set the food down, and I start driving, and I go, oh, my goodness, he peed in the van. How did my cat get in the van? Like, oh, that's dumb. That's not what the cat did. It couldn't be that. And so then I start thinking, oh, no. I have stepped in something, and now I've put it in my house, in my van. And so I'm like, I'm trying to drive while I'm trying to look at my feet. I'm like, it's not on my feet either. So then we start handing food out. And, and one of the things I, I happen to pick up a little bit and get a little closer, and there is that smell. It's a, it's a poop smell. And it was the cheese. We had poop cheese, and my four-year-old had already started eating it. 
and apparently thought it was okay because he kept eating it. And everybody else is like, oh my goodness, get the poop cheese away. And then of course it just started. You can imagine what three little kids were doing with poop cheese. The jokes are going, it's just flying all over the place. The entire time I am looking at my cat, the room, my shoes, whatever it is, other people. At one point I thought maybe somebody in the car had, you know, passed gas. Um, all these things, no. It was me. I'd been carrying it around right in front of me the entire time. Here was the poop cheese. It was me, not everybody else. I had grabbed it out of the fridge. I had put it on the plate. Heck, I was handing it out to everybody. Here's your poop cheese. Here's your poop cheese. <laughs> it was me. It was them. They were the issue. They were missing what God was doing. They were missing the scriptures. They were missing the divine details of God working. And I think far too often we end up doing the same. And let me just tell you, the problem goes really deep. Keep reading with me. I just, I'm flabbergasted by this. But Mary, verse 11, stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? All right, so you got angels, and you got angels talking to you. Keep going. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. Now she sees Jesus. But she still did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, boy, the irony of that conversation. Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. All right. The problem is so deep that as an angel shows up to Mary and an angel speaks to Mary, she still doesn't get it. As Jesus is standing in front of her, she doesn't get it. As Jesus begins to speak to her, she doesn't get it. The problem is so deep that even when it's right in her face, she still is not seeing what God is doing. Here's what I believe happens. Tell me if you can relate to this. When things start going wrong, that could be maybe a bad thing happened at work. Maybe a friend did something. Maybe something that has happened in your life multiple times reared its head again. But you've got this thing that's going on, and what do we begin to do? We begin to run the scenarios in our heads, right? How can I fix this? What's my next step? What's really happening? And we just let it go, and it goes and goes, and it starts looking like my dog running through the neighborhood. You ever been kept up at night because you can't stop thinking about it? Trying to figure out an answer? And instead of figuring out an answer, what happens? It gets worse, right? It keeps you up. It makes you tired. You're stressing out. You're starting to snap it because the scenarios just keep going. Mary right now 
has only one thing she's trying to figure out, what happened to this body. And even though God is going, boom, how about this? Boom, here's this. Hey, look at this, Mary, look at this. She's running the scenarios. Like, well, where could it be? Who could have taken it? And she cannot see what God is doing. Here's what I feel like we do. In Shanghai, there was a little boy, and he got a hold of his mom's iPhone. And he put a combination in to open it. It was the wrong combination, you know? So he did it again. And then he did it again. And you all know what happens when you enter too many times? It locks your phone. But you have a setting where if you continue to enter numbers, it will increase the amount of time the phone is locked. He kept doing it, and doing it, and doing it, and doing it, until the phone was locked for 25 million minutes. Five decades. Her phone was locked for five decades. Because do you know how hard it is to get the one code that actually works. Do you know what we are doing when we're running these scenarios over and over and over and over and over and we are trying to solve that problem? We're just putting codes in and it is getting us nowhere. It's making it worse because there is one code that really can give us the peace and the purpose that we all crave. And we will never get there by just running the scenarios. Because you and I, number one, and this includes all of the kids in the room, we are sinful. Our thoughts are sinful. We have, how often do you think the worst of somebody? Assume the worst. I know it's true when you drive, right? Everybody that cuts you off, yeah, they're just jerks. There's never a possible good reason for that. Because we assume the worst. Our scenarios quite often do the same thing. We are sinful. There is only one code that will open that phone. One code that will give us that peace and that purpose that we are looking for. I want to tell you how you can get it, right? And it's a two-step process. Some of you have taken step one already, but we're going to talk about step one anyway, right? Go ahead and bring that out. The first problem right here and hold that up so everybody can see. First problem is that our lives are marred by sin. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever done anything wrong and later on you regretted it because you knew it was wrong. Raise your hand. It's universal. Whether you're a Christian, a non-Christian, a Muslim, it doesn't matter. Everybody has a conscience given by God. We all know that at times we do things wrong. We splatter our lives with gunk. But here's the problem. Most of us, we 
want to clean that gunk. We go and we get our Windex. Now, this is a lot of gunk, so I bought two bottles just in case. How to make sure we can clean this thing. We get our Windex and we decide we're going to clean this thing. And, and, and here's how we clean it. And just see if maybe you've done this before. We decide that if we do enough good, it'll outweigh the bad. Let's just start doing the good and then God will you know, forgive me for the bad. Or maybe if I can punish myself enough, maybe I won't have ice cream or I, I won't do this, I'll somehow internally or emotionally flog myself so that God knows that I'm really sorry and then he will forgive. And so we begin to take our Windex and we start trying to clean this thing. And, uh, and what happens? We just start smearing it. And, 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 and we work harder and we scrub and we scrub and, and some of it kind of comes off but some of it doesn't and it's there. And, and what happens after that whole process when we have worked so hard to make this clean I would say two things end up happening. Number one, we know deep down it's still not clean. We still struggle. And what happens the next time you do the same sin? You feel worse about it because you haven't forgotten the first time yet. And it just keeps burying you. And the second thing that ends up happening as you scrub all this stuff is we end up focusing so much on trying to get right with God that we can't do the right that God wants from us. You see, God wants to cleanse us so we can live for him. And if you keep doing this, it's a lot of work. It makes you tired. It makes you thirsty. And I am thirsty from all that scrubbing. I think I need some Windex. Oh, that is much better. Man, if you've never tried Windex, you really should try Windex. It's amazing stuff. Hey, today is April Fool's Day, by the way. Hey, kids, please don't drink Windex. Hey, this, this is water with blue food coloring in it. It's not Windex. Don't drink Windex. That's your public service announcement for the morning. Don't drink Windex. This is water with blue food coloring in it. But you know what? This is about what our efforts are when we're trying to cleanse our own sin. It's water with blue food coloring in it. It does not work. In the Old Testament, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice because it could never cleanse those making the sacrifice. We cannot do it today. No matter how much good you do, no matter how many times you flog yourself mentally, you cannot make up for it. You can't get rid of it. And you're wasting your time. Because Jesus, he took a power washer and he went <laughs> and completely cleaned that thing. And you and I are acting like it's still dirty. He cleaned it. And if you are here this morning and you don't know Christ 
and you want that peace, you can trust in Christ to take care of the junk. You can trust in him as your savior and have actual forgiveness. Not just your attempt to make yourself feel better, but God Almighty saying to you, you are clean. I have forgiven you. And now instead of worrying about all the sin, you can worry about serving me, not making up for something that my son gave his life for. If you want to be cleansed this morning, cry out to Jesus, ask him to be your savior, and trust in him to take care of the junk in your life, not yourself. Thank you, guys. That's number one. Number one, the fundamental issue, our sin. However, here's the second thing, and I speak to believers across the board. We are good at trusting in Christ for our salvation. We are not nearly as good for trusting him with our lives. We get into those scenarios, and what's so amazing is we turn inward. We do the same thing the women and the disciples were doing. We get into the hard parts of our lives and we turn inward and we try to figure it out. When he is the one who's cleansed us of our sin, why would we not turn to him instead? What's so interesting about the way this passage comes to a conclusion Here's what finally happens. Jesus said to her, Mary. He said her name. You see, his presence, he still didn't get it. His initial question, he still didn't get it. But he says her name. And suddenly, she, gives, she says back to him, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni. And I could just, I can feel her sense of release. It's him. He is here. Jesus is here. And all the things that I've been stressing about, yes, they may be real issues, but he is here. He has called my name. He is here. He wants to call every name in the room whether you know him or not. Because that kind of peace, that kind of purpose, he wants that for the people. He wanted it so badly that Jesus would die for it. If you want peace and purpose, I want to give you a very practical thing. When you get into the moments that the scenarios are going over and over and over and over in your head and you can't figure out how to solve it, will you stop, pray, listen, look, look for what God is doing. There's so many things that God is doing. I mean, can I tell you that when my dog got out and I was chasing my dog through the neighborhood trying to outrun a lab, yeah, that was dumb. I ended up having to get on my bike and chase the lab. 
but I'm chasing the lab. I was not thinking to myself in that moment as, by the way, there's boxes everywhere. I'm half unloading the van. I can't get to my bedroom. It's a total disaster. I was not thinking, oh, praise the Lord, I got a sermon illustration. (laughs) I was not thinking that. I was thinking, bleep, 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 dog. But you know what? God used it. And in fact, God used it even more than I would have thought. You would Let me just finish my illustration here. This is what happened. I got out into the middle of the street on my bike. I'm looking this direction. There's a stop sign. There's a car at that stop sign in the middle of the street, and I see my dog just behind that car. And I yelled, Catherine, come here. And she takes off running around that car, charging right for me, and then we take off around, and she gets into the backyard. And then my neighbor, who I hadn't met yet, he was in that car, He pulls into the alley and he stops. He goes, are you okay? Did that dog get you? (laughs) Say, no, no, sir, that was actually my dog. And she doesn't get anybody. She runs from people. That's what she does. But do you know why that dog came? Because I called her name. She saw me, but that wasn't enough. I called her name and she knew her name. My mom was looking. She was calling the name. The dog is still running around. She knows me. Now, that little illustration, how perfect is that for like, you know, Mary, her name being called, blah, blah. Look for the details of what God is doing. At Stations of the Cross, Lori told me there was a dad and a son who came to the stations and they walked it. And afterwards, he came to Lori and he said, we weren't planning on doing this. We just pulled up to the park and saw it. And I was thinking to myself, somehow this Easter, I want to show my son that Easter is about more than the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. And he pulls into this park randomly and goes, there's the stations. I'm doing this. God has provided. Are we looking for the ways that God is working? And then are we looking to the word of God? Are we really looking to the word of God? Do we know it? Do we understand how God works, who God is, what his character is? Because when we start doing those things, instead of entering the iPhone code over and 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 over again, instead, I'm looking to Christ. I'm listening to Christ. I'm in the word. I'm watching for what God is doing. And I'm trusting him to give me the peace and the purpose that he wants to give. Ladies and gentlemen, he rose from the dead. What is it in our lives he can't handle? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your son, the love that he has Lord, that you did not ask us to be perfect. Instead, you came and did what was necessary to clean us. Lord, anybody in this room who does not know you, I pray you call their name. I pray you reach out to them that they might know a peace and a purpose in your son that goes beyond anything we can provide for ourselves or any other system can provide. Jesus paid it all. 
And Lord, I pray for those of us who know your son, that we would let it go, that we would start to trust the resurrected Lord instead of trusting ourselves, instead of trying to figure it all out. We would look to him, believing that the resurrected Lord cares about us and wants to work in our lives even when there is confusion and pain and grief and a bunch of stuff we don't understand. Let us find our peace and our purpose in Jesus. We ask this in his holy name. Amen.